0: time is the only resource that cannot be restored recycled or synthesized time is scarce and as you live that scarcity only increases thus we need to consider how much of that fuse is left when we make decisions about how we spend that time the terrible irony is that you could waste enormous amounts of time on making a decision But if the decision that you make results in a wasted endeavor, then you are stuck wondering if you made the right decision and are more likely to suffer from paralysis by analysis. So is there a clean, efficient answer to knowing what decisions we should make to avoid the conflict? Is there a technique or a tool that can help us sever the tangled thoughts that lead to wasted time and stunted growth? There are, in fact, several of these tools that have been proposed over the centuries. In this podcast, I would like to outline the general tools and techniques, discuss their backgrounds and try to give some critique of their premises, and finally to share a possible solution to the problem of decision-making. And as usual, I will attempt to do this in 20-odd minutes that this podcast rips away from your life so that you can feel that you made an efficient decision when you chose to click, subscribe, and support my weekly effort to encourage growth and learning on a global and cultural scale, one medium-length audio essay at a time. The most common discussions today about decision-making and the ways that we make decisions are framed under the decision theory model. This model analyzes the different methods and philosophies about decision-making and puts these into neat categories, where they can be observed, compared, and contrasted in order to make a decision about what might be more legitimate and ultimately more effective for the individual, the organization, or the society at large. This meta-analysis of the decision-making process is a good starting point for our exploration of decision-making and the use of decision-making tools. Yes, I'm going to make a meta-approach to decide which decision-making tools are worth their weight. Understanding the decision theory model starts with the three main categories of decision making. First is the normative decision theory. Normative decision theory deals with the idea of optimal decisions. Optimal decisions are made by assigning a value to different outcomes to find a decision that is best. This value is called a utility value. This utility value compares different known outcomes from a potential decision and then plugs these into an equation to get the result that creates a probability of expected outcomes, and their utility. Second is prescriptive decision theory. Prescriptive theories assume that decision makers are operating under collectively similar rules. These theories utilize models that operate under the assumption of a common best goal. The models that prescriptive theories use are conceptual models, and they include areas of thinking that could be entire podcasts all by themselves, like data flow modeling, entity relationship modeling, even driven process chain, and a technique evaluation selection process. All of these models, again, operate under presumptive rules. And finally, descriptive decision theories actually describe the way that individuals arrive at a decision. The fascinating world of decision theory is a broad one. It is utilized by scientists, sociologists, medical researchers, data scientists, and philosophers. This idea that the process of decision-making can be broken down and made more effective seems like it would be useful to everyday people. But in my experience, it is completely absent in the world of public education. Thus, it is not surprising that the average person lacks even a basic tool for decision-making. Another approach to philosophy of decision-making can be found in economics. This method of decision-making operates under the assumption of rationality and perfect information. Perfect information is the idea that a consumer understands the difference between similar market product, their quality, their features, their prices, and then makes a rational decision based on the best overall outcome. The applied form of this type of decision-making might be familiar to my listeners. The classic teaching of this is to make a list of all the positives and negatives of each side of the choice, then pick the decision that has more positives than negatives, and then be dispassionate about that choice, knowing that you did your due diligence. Departing from these modern classifications and studies of decision-making, there are situational choice critiques that are rooted in classical philosophical traditions. The first on this list is called heuristics. Heuristic choices are quick and efficient by their nature. They do not utilize information. Instead, heuristic decisions are the ones that we make every day by utilizing a kind of shortcut to outwit the decision trees that are data-driven or mathematical decision processes. Most of the time, these decisions are subconscious. These decisions are also the bulk of the decisions made throughout the day and therefore are the most useful in a utilitarian way. Consider for a moment the skill of driving. Keeping a car on the road while avoiding collisions on a drive down a major highway consists of millions, millions of heuristic decisions. By necessity, the act of driving has to be based on fuzzy and incomplete information, and decisions need to be quick and also quickly forgotten. Heuristic decision-making has become uniquely important in the study of modern world of developing machine learning models. Next up is the choice under certainty. This particular classification of decision-making is similar to modern normative decision-making models, only under a purely philosophical lens. This type of decision tries to consider all of the possible outcomes, and then a choice is made based on the most desirable outcome. It attempts to assign probabilities to these different outcomes before the desired outcome is chosen and utilized to drive the decision-making process. One of the originators of the decision-making process is Blaise Pascal, a philosopher and logician from the 17th century. His famous wager, or Pascal's wager, is still a Pratt argument presented by religious apologists to this day. Intertemporal choice is a decision-making process that attempts to incorporate time into the decision-making process. It concerns itself with the time that the outcome of a choice will be realized and utilizes a layered approach to outcomes by considering a cascade of outcomes from that initial choice. An example of this is the decision of investment of extra income versus the decision to spend that extra income on enjoyment of a more immediate reward. The weight of the decision increases when time becomes a factor. Interaction of decision makers is also a choice that considers the reactions of the community to an individual decision and how those factors will affect the desired outcome. This decision analysis is often used as a plot device in fiction. A great example of this is the movie Babe, where the farmer is worried about his decision to trust the pig. He knows this pig is the best herd animal he has ever raised and he wants him to compete in the upcoming sheepdog competition. The tension comes from the reactions of the judges, his wife, his friends, and the spectators at the competition. The outcome of the decision is unknown despite the obvious competence of his apprentice, and the expectation of the other spectators, that is the movie viewers. Another approach to decision-making is probability theory. Probability theory utilizes brute force probability of outcome, some to the best decision. In order to limit the number of outcomes into a manageable number, there are rules imposed that utilize Bayesian theory to justify the allowed number of possible outcomes. Fuzzy logic, of course, is a propositional calculus in which non numeric values are utilized to represent complex facts and rules. The fuzziness of this method is that it requires continuous inputs of information to adjust the outcomes as they are presented. In many ways, the outcomes of fuzzy logic models imitate heuristic models but are easier to implement into machine logic and much more difficult for pragmatic use by humans. Minimax is the idea that instead of maximizing the outcome of decision-making processes, one should reduce the chances of a worst-case outcome. This is once again a decision-making process utilized mainly in artificial intelligence but may be useful to at least consider when making decisions as a human. Dempster-Schafer theory attempts to quantify quantities like trust, belief, confidence, mixed with evidence to determine decisions. This theory is incredibly complex and is math-intensive. Again, not necessarily pragmatic for your everyday decision-maker. Another intensive mathematical decision theory is called information gap theory. Once again, not necessarily pragmatic. Ethical decision-making Evaluates the outcomes based on their impact on society, the environment, or the meta. This type of decision making often places the needs of others before the needs of the individual making the decision. Are you feeling overwhelmed by the number of ways to make a decision? At this point, do you feel like the amount of information and the number of ways to make decisions could just be paralyzing? Well, you'd be right, and I will weigh in with my opinions in just a minute. Before I continue, I would like to ask you to please share this podcast with other people that you meet that might be interested in learning, skills, and growth. Also, if you could please check out the show notes and click on the suggested reading links. If you find something you might want to read, please buy a book. Even the audiobooks help me out if you don't have time to sit and read. These Amazon affiliate links help me to pay for the expenses related to publishing this podcast, and hopefully someday will support me for the time and effort it takes to put these together. Additionally, there is now the option to support this podcast for as little as $3 a month. That adds up to about $0.75 an episode. Now let's look at the process of decision-making from a critical perspective. None of these systems of analysis define what best means, and a best outcome, that is still a human decision, so your biases toward an emotional investment of outcomes is still primary to the function. None of them are purely objective, so let's take that right off the table. Your emotional decision was already included in the goal of the function. This creates so many problems from the start. Also, you already decided what decision needed to be made. Was this decision run through the algorithm? Do you see where I'm going with this? The entire process of decision making starts with a decision to make a decision and turtles all the way down. This initial decision can delay the entire tree. We were defeated before we started. Also, the options themselves may not be considering all of the actual options. So in other words, there might be a false dichotomy presented. Another point is that the sheer number of analytic tools for decision-making indicates there is not a strictly better way to make a decision. If there was a best way to make a decision, then the problem would be solved, drive on. But no, there are all of these recognized methodologies and still no answer. What does that teach us? But let's assume that any one of these is an excellent option. Not perfect, but excellent. What then are the independent variables that lead to an outcome? How many of these were included? Who decided which ones were important? Is there a decision-making model that decides on which variables to include in the decision-making model? Is this also turtles all the way down? Are you an intermediate to advanced level pianist searching for a way to build ease and fluency into your playing? My name is Jeremy Gould of Goldenfall Piano. As a fellow polymath, you know the value of efficiency in learning. Our outline approach is different than the traditional methods where the fingers are in the lead. We can help you learn to lead with your arms rather than with your fingers so that you can play with the ease and fluency that you know is possible. Just visit club.goldenfallpiano.com to watch a free training video to get started. Once more, that's club.goldenfallpiano.com. If you have not read the Foundation Trilogy by Isaac Asimov, I highly recommend that you do. The premise of the books revolves around the complexity of decision-making models and the philosophical entanglements of predictive outcomes. There is a link in the show notes to pick up a copy. The idea is that there has to be a boundary to inputs, and that boundary creates a built-in percentage of error. Errors, when they arise, cause us to question if we made the right decision. This leads to an inevitable disappointment and possibly paralysis in the face of our next big decision. So let me introduce you to the ludic fallacy, a term coined by Nassim Nicholas Taleb in his book, Black Swan. Link in the show notes. This is a critique and rebuttal of the Bayesian Boolean models for decision-making. His arguments support my premise, that it is impossible to have a perfect information situation and that tiny variables have a significant impact on the outcomes of any decision. Take chaos theory, for example. In chaos theory, mathematical models try to indicate the tiniest of changes in any one variable and also yield equally divergent outcomes. My prediction is that most people will not embrace using predictive models for their decision making, and over time really do rely purely on heuristics. Why is this a problem? Heuristics, also known as going with your gut, are also based on equally flawed systems of discernment and reasoning. Most often the shortcut to a decision is based on wisdom, which is the vernacular for experience, and thus contains a fair amount of cherry-picking and reliance on confidence in past outcomes as predictable. False negatives and positives reinforce the anticipation of success, so the same problem can be identified with heuristics. Poor and incomplete data lead to an unanticipated and undesirable outcome. So, should we be indecisive? I mean, I just have spent a good 15 minutes tearing down the process of decision-making. What are we to do? No, we need to be decisive. We also need to learn that all of our decisions are going to be fallible. There can never be a perfect method. When things work out, we can never be overconfident in our competence, but instead think of our successes and failures as proportions of luck and competence. For some of us, this will be 50-50 and others, the proportion of luck will be much higher. If we learn and reflect we can sometimes accurately identify factors that lead to our successes and failures and can try another method or choice the next time it presents itself. That is, if the situation is perfectly the same. Otherwise, our experience and wisdom can best influence the outcome. So what is the actual solution I am proposing? I want you to learn to live and learn from the outcome, whatever it might be. That learning may not be perfectly applicable to the next situation, but that is the variance in life. There cannot be a perfect decision, so do not expect perfection in the results. Also, even when you are right, there is a very, very good chance that nobody will notice or even care. Individual choices that lead to outcomes that you can live with should be considered excellent choices, in my opinion. This is why, by definition, decisions are subjective which once again, all decisions are inseparable from subjective influences. As a photographer, I am making at least a dozen decisions per shot. I'm making decisions about perspective, composition, elements of exposure, color, light, contrast, focus point, subject, lens, sensor, profile, subject, speed, shutter, shutter speed, background separation, and the subject distance from the lens. I depress the shutter. If all of those decisions were correct but my timing is off, then the shot still doesn't work. Likewise, in your decision about what to learn next or how much you want to invest in a new skill or knowledge, if you make the perfect decision, but your timing is off, it might be hard to identify that you made the right decision. You most likely did it when the timing was bad. If you can recognize that, then the question changes. The question becomes, should you try again? If so, when? should you try again? Was the timing poor because you are already doing too much to dedicate the necessary time to this new learning? Was the timing bad because your budget or the weather or the distance kept you from doing the activity? So many variables, right? In order to make a decision, there has to be a certain amount of risk involved. As a risk-averse person myself, I assure you that I'm not just willy-nilly taking risks but learning to take appropriate risks with the possibility of the reward of learning or even monetary gain might be worth it. Recognize the decisions that merit ethical, economic or intertemporal dimensions, then give those decisions more time and consideration. Maybe make a list of pros and cons, understanding of course that you might be missing something. You cannot possibly list all of the variables. Also understand that at the end of this process, you will most likely end up with your heuristic decision that you came up with in the first place. This is because you will guide your decision-making through your biases, regardless of your efforts to be neutral. It is very difficult to come to an objective decision. For the rest of your decisions, don't worry about it so much. Be okay with some undetermined outcomes.